Hello, hello, and welcome to um, uh, the edition of the Frankly Who Cares podcast. Yes, it has a name. Uh, how are you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, how, how's your week been? Not too bad. Not too bad. Trying to uh, stay even more on top of the sport than usual. Um, so we can talk about all the um, things that have been going on. How about you? Uh, yeah, yeah, good. I mean, I think a lot of things we talked on have moved on quite rapidly, so uh, mm-hmm. it'll be good to, to sort of address some of those points. We'll come to those. Um, but we should probably start off with our the origins of our name. Yeah. Frankly, who cares? Why, frankly, who cares? Um, I'm, I'm sure a few people have already uh, already gathering why it's called that, what that relates to. But Yeah, so... Um, it's a line of commentary from the 1988 Olympics mm-hmm. in Seoul, where Great Britain won hockey, uh, gold, uh, and Barry Davis sort of famously said, uh, I think, and I'll say, I don't know this, it's because I just checked on YouTube, but Britain scored their third goal, and he said, where the, were the Germans? But frankly, who cares? And I think yeah. that will appeal to the 80s and 90s crowd. <laughs> that we're hoping to attract uh, and um, but also I like and this came up when we talked about some uh, a um, a documentary we'd, we'd both watched a few months ago it was an era when there were like four TV channels so millions upon millions of people were watching that and so hopefully it will ring a few bells with people who had forgotten about it but then will suddenly remember it so. yeah and that was definitely one of those moments where he spoke for the nation when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, here we are, Frankly Who Cares podcast. And um, so let's start, before we get into the news, should we start with a bit of follow-up from last time, our, our first podcast? Yes, yeah, so, so first of all, this has mm-hmm. sprung into my head. Uh, I okay. did mention last time about playing sport with people who had like famous relatives, but they weren't playing a particularly high level of sport, obviously, because they were playing against against me but mm. on a slightly tangent from that it's I don't know if you've ever played uh, if you've ever worked with someone so we don't work in sports a completely unrelated mm. field who's turned out to be like a famous sportsman or involved in something like that so I don't know if you've ever told you this but in my previous place of work one of the construction directors played in that 88 hockey team really? yeah starting line up central defence He's wow. like one of the stars. <laughs> so anyway, anyways. So yep. yeah, wow. I, I just suddenly remember that. So yeah, so last time we we spoke about a few things, uh, a few points of inaccuracy on my part, which okay. is not not to be not particularly surprising. So Dean Macy's total wipeout record is not, as I've okay. said, about twenty-one seconds. It's in fact fifty-six seconds. But right. it is still impressive, and he runs across the balls in one go. So that was right. Having watched it, I can vouch for how impressive it is. But I think it's only fair that you put the record straight. <laughs> yeah, I was only like 150 percent out. <laughs> um, and then I do have to apologise about um, VAR. I sort of said Villa had had um, the rough end of all the 50-50 decisions, and then later that night we played Southampton and gave away what should have been a really obvious penalty which wasn't given and then we've also when we played Arsenal had a couple which were pretty so I think Mm -hmm. that does go to show that all these 50-50 decisions do balance themselves out over time Um, 
I've also got to apologise for my Guyana Ghana confusion, uh, and uh, I've done a bit of research on that, um, just in case it was any more controversial than I'd realised. But no, I can confirm that they've enjoyed cordial relations since the establishment of diplomatic ties on the 14th of May 1979, 40 years ago. Our relations are founded on mutual non-interference in each other's internal affairs. Now they're six and a half thousand kilometres apart, so I just I can only that, that came up. So that's brilliant, and I can only assume that that's because many people like you make that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, possibly. Yeah. So that's all. Uh, all I was going to pick up from from the previous pod. Okay. Good. Important to yeah to get those things right and set the record straight. So good stuff. Shall we move on then about what's been going on in the news? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, did you? So, since we last um, spoke, uh, Southampton versus Man U, the nine nil. Did you uh, <laughs> see any of that? Yeah. So, I've got a very good friend who's a Southampton fan. Who mm. we were messaging about the Southampton Villa game with all the VAR decisions that went in Villa's favour. Yeah. Um, and he sent me a message because uh, they went what was it down to ten men after about thirty seconds, eighty-two seconds, eighty-two seconds mm. again, hundred fifty percent out classic. Um, <laughs> and he when they went about four nil down, he said as long as it's not as long as it doesn't get to nine, I'll be I'll be all right. Yeah, and nine is the magic number, <laughs> and it did. But it that did. that right, so that. Um, uh, incident after 82 seconds, Jankovic gets sent off. Um, the chat with one of the worst tackles you're ever going to see. When you see McTominay rolling about on the floor, you can see a graze on one knee and stud marks on the other thigh. <laughs> it's one of, the, one of the worst challenges you're ever going to see. So his agent that previous week had been sort of talking, agitating, sort of for a move he needs to sort of play. It was his full debut at Old yeah. Trafford. I'm thinking clearly he's not, you know, he's not right. He's not mentally prepared for this uh, for this moment, for this big occasion, and it cost his team an absolute whooping. Um, which made me think, right, what is the worst prepared that you have ever been for a sporting event, both firstly as, a, as, as someone participating as a player and also as a fan? So what's the worst you, what's the, in terms of a, a playing sport, what's the worst you, Prep, prep that you've had in terms of just not being ready or right for it. Um, so, I'd say there's a similar theme between the two. Um, are you familiar with the concept of the rain card? Uh, explain. It's it's usually a cricket term of mm-hmm. used by amateur cricketers where you uh, are meeting friends on a Friday night. And the forecast on the Saturday is terrible. So you play a rain card and you think, right, doesn't matter, handbrake off, I'm going to get drunk. I see where this is going. And it's an almost certain guarantee that if you play the rain card, the rain will come through much sooner overnight and it will be really hot the next day and you'll have to play. Mm. So misplayed rain cards on several occasions um, have, have happened. The worst is when you've got to go... Uh, so it hasn't rained hard enough for it to cancel the game, and it's 
like hot and sticky but still raining a bit so you've got to go possibly warm up and then wait for it to rain and it might clear and you can't just do anything and it's just horrid um so that i can't pick out an occasion where i've been any worse than i mean any worse than perhaps going to the test match on the friday with you and then having to play they <laughs> that's been quite bad preparation um, <laughs> and then um a similar experience when we were on holiday so spectating we were on holiday in boston and we had tickets to go and watch the red Sox at fenway park which is mm. like a really amazing ground this place i've always really wanted to go it's yeah. like kind of hundreds of years old and a lot of american sports grounds are really new and shiny and like the experience yeah. is amazing but this is much more kind of idiosyncratic and the weather forecast again wasn't brilliant and it looked like it was going to be delayed by a few hours sort of 12 o'clock start um so we went really big on a friday night <laughs> and, and stayed out till about 3 a.m but actually body clock wise that was more like 8 a.m <laughs> we'd only flown in a couple of days before um and so i think you i don't know if you're a bloody mary person but i tried I, it once it did not help Right. Well, I find there's sort of there's there's three types of of Bloody Mary. There's the I fancy I actually fancy one, just the taste of one. I might have the Virgin Mary because the fact that it's alcoholic doesn't matter. I just fancy one. Then there's the can we push the party on a bit more the next day? The sort of stag do type Bloody Mary. And then there's the medical. Oh my God, I cannot function. I've got to have a Bloody Mary because it's the only thing that might save me from the next two hours. And it was that that one <laughs> so we managed to find somewhere quite close to the ground that did quite a flash kind of all day breakfast and they were they were looking at us like jesus christ here these english guys like with boston red Sox hats on were just like looking pale and <laughs> drinking bloody mary so but yeah we re- recovered in the end and it would if it was delayed i think because with baseball it goes on for quite a while so i think we missed the first yeah. innings or so and then and then turned up and it was a really great day after that but yeah underprepared, <laughs> i would say um mm-hmm. we, we also got the weather massively wrong is there were some quite heavy rain showers and we were not really equipped for that either <laughs> so, <laughs> so how about you um well i thought of um i yeah i have a couple of boozy boozy ones i remember one for example when um the whole t- independently of each other the whole team this is like saturday sort of football um uh, had had been had gone out for massive nights out <laughs> to the point where yeah there were points where i couldn't really see what i was doing <laughs> on the pitch and i do remember looking to the sideline and seeing the player manager vomiting right <laughs> at the pitch and thinking yeah it was one of those ones we lost about three nil and no one said a word and we all just went went away and never talked about it again but um, another one occurred to me that I'd, I'd obviously just pushed to the back of my mind. So traumatized was I by this this ter- the unexpected turn of events. So I used to play football for this team. Um, well, it must have been when I was about 14, 15. Uh, a team called St. Thomas More. And um, that uh, that was my second season there. I ended up getting player of the year that, that year, uh, playing in central midfield. Um, but there was this one game where turned up you know during a good run of form from what i remember feeling quite confident and the opposite side of the team uh, and sorry in the opposite team uh, there's a guy who looks quite familiar 
I say guy, we were like 15. Um, someone who looks quite familiar, but he looks about two foot tall and he's built amazingly, like he's almost like a like a professional and like, I remember this is, no. And then I hear them calling his name, hence, hence, it's Henson, Henson Waith, who I used to play football with. Uh, rather, I taught how to kick a ball when we were in primary school, when we were about seven, eight years old, taught him how to kick, literally taught him how to kick a ball in the playground hadn't seen him in years he left school like the year before the end uh, so hadn't seen him since i was like 10 whatever four or five years there he was this imposing figure playing against me in central midfield didn't really acknowledge each other played me off the pi- i just wasn't ready he was he was the absolute midfield general played me off the pitch didn't get near him was just there in awe of him thinking how has this happened <laughs> got substituted at half time was never substituted they pulled me off the pitch and rightly so for my own protection they went on to um yeah to to beat us and i was just there like completely shocked because i'd been taken off i didn't really get to answer say, shake hands with him after the match or or anything like that and it just he just went oh, oh my god that was a bad experience so that was one of the worst experiences i've ever had on a football field i was just not ready not ready to face it henson if you're listening to this <laughs> well done you played really well it's not uh, um yeah I thought that might be the story about how you played against Chris Bart Williams. No, it was um <laughs> It's a different one. <laughs> no, that was Des Walker. Des Walker? Wasn't it? Yeah. I played no, with Des Walker. With Des Walker? I thought you played against yeah. Chris Bart Williams in like the Nottingham Sunday League or something. No, I played against Des Walker in a charity match for this bar called the <laughs> I think it was called the Academy in Nottingham. I was playing for a team, and the academy and the market bar had like were big rivals. Des Walker used to come in for a drink. Uh, he needed the owner of the bar, and um, he was like, um, and, and uh, yeah. So we were playing this charity match against them, and we, we'd heard he was coming, but obviously, as if it was yeah, yeah like during the season. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so we're all standing around, and about ten minutes before kickoff. Des Walker comes walking along with his boots in his hand and goes, all right, lads, really deep voice. All right, right, lads, we're all looking at each other. It's Des Walker. And he this is when he front. was still playing? He was playing for Sheffield Wednesday, yeah. He was rapid as well. When, well. Maybe not when he played for Wednesday, but he was really quick. He was it? rapid. What the incredible thing about him was he um, his spring. So he scored from a, he scored the first goal. Uh, from I think we beat them about eight nil. I scored a hat trick, but that's a good story. <laughs> um, he 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 got he he got up from this corner where I you know it probably wasn't this high, but it felt like his feet were higher than everyone else's head when he headed it in it, and just sprang up. And it, he just was giving me like little bits of advice all, all through the match. Um, we at one point we got a penalty. I hate taking penalties. Always hate taking penalties. I would avoid them. I once played in the six aside competition where it went to pens and I didn't take one <laughs> that's how much I hate taking pens um and he made me take it they said you're a goal scorer aren't you like, yeah we'll take it then and um some of my mates were watching they say it's the worst penalty it went in it sort of trickled over the line <laughs> but uh yeah they say it's the worst penalty they've, they've ever seen anyone take but yeah he yeah so Des Walker played with played with him that's a complete yes anyway managed to get that in there which is nice nice um, yeah yeah, um, but no, the worst, as a fan, the worst prepared by far that I've ever been. So 1991 FA Cup semi-final, Spurs v Arsenal. Uh, this is the one where Gaza scores the wonder free kick. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Lineker got the other two goals. So that was only the second year of like live FA Cup semi-finals. I remember watching that, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it was at Wembley, wasn't so it? It's at Wembley, exactly. The first, Sheffield, one, uh, the first one's at Wembley. Uh, yeah, that's no, right. was, yeah. Um, yeah, That was the year, so. the Forest year, where um, Des Walker scores mm. a goal in the final, in fact. That is right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remembered. Um, and so, yeah, I remember getting that. It was a 12 o'clock kickoff. <laughs> and I woke up at 10 to 12. Um, <laughs> and settled down in front of the telly. So I've literally been up for a few minutes. Bang. Five minutes into the game, one nil down. Bang. <laughs> Ten minutes into the game, two nil down. So literally within 15 minutes of sat- of really being awake, still rubbing the sleeve out of my eyes, we're two nil down to Spurs <laughs> in an FA Cup semi-final. That is that. Yeah, it was a horrific. I was I was wasn't ready for it. To make matters, well, you ended up losing three one. But to make matters work, just just before half time. Alan Smith scores a header. We'd been played off the pitch in the first half. Scores this header. So shocked and, and elated in the way that I jump up in the air, punch the air, come down, skid a bit, and pull my groin. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, which if we'd have gone on to win, I wouldn't have wouldn't have mattered. But yeah, we lost the game. So that that was um, yeah an experience that I've never repeated since in terms of being ready for for anything that could happen in the first few minutes of a match. So yeah. Uh, once um when so this is just before probably around the like the low point of Scotland rugby um we beat Italy in a six nations game and it's a last minute drop goal um and it's the thing is like with rugby a lot of the time you're a point behind and a drop goal puts you a point ahead but it's literally win or lose on this kick and and it went through the middle and I jumped up and both put fists clenched and screamed yeah so loud I felt really faint and had to sit down again <laughs> so yeah. wins were yeah, such a rarity at that point that, um, yeah so, um, mm. so there's nothing nothing else really much has happened in the news has it well <laughs> I think we should touch on the greatest day of sport that ever was because <laughs> I did build up quite, quite strongly to England Scotland I think I pretty pretty strongly thought that Scotland were definitely going to win from from memory <laughs> Um, mm. But um, what I hadn't really realised was was that the day kind of back to back from twelve thirty was Aston Villa, who I support, versus Arsenal, followed by Harlequins, who I've have a season ticket for playing away at Bath, <laughs> followed by England Scotland, and preceding all of that, all morning had been India England in the Test match, which was going really well at the time. So I was like. Right, well, England-India's going well. Villa won. Um, Harlequins won. And I'd said <laughs> all week, I wouldn't mind almost all sports events for the rest of the year going against me if Scotland could beat England. So I just thought, <laughs> there's absolutely no way Scotland yeah. could win. Um, and, yeah, it was strangely sort of dominant performance, really. I think we did try and throw it away in the last two minutes, which just made... You know, really convinced me that it was definitely Scotland and it wasn't a team of imposters. Yeah, that, yeah. That, you know, just DNA was there. Yeah. yeah, lovely stuff. Lovely touch that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I. So yeah, very, very good day, all in all. Um, one thing that did crop up uh, in the sort of Villa Arsenal game was, mm. um, and listening back to the previous pod was, you mentioned that that Burnley had got. Uh, Claret and blue bragging rights. Go on. Since the previous pod, we've also lost to West Ham. So uh, 
statistically our our points return at the moment against claret and blue teams is eight percent so one out of 12 uh against a, all, an average from all of our games of 66 percent wow and against teams in red and white it's 71 mm. percent so thanks arsenal for for boosting that um wow and we've still got a game against Sheffield United to come. So, mm-hmm. and and Liverpool. I don't know what's more impressive. There's, there's what is it? Seventy-six percent, seventy-one percent, seventy-one percent, or the amount of time and effort it took you to come up with uh, such <laughs> obscure and meaningless stats. Yeah, it took me quite a long time. But that that was of <laughs> my my own creation. That one, the one that's the stat of the week that I've really liked that has been going round a lot on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So it's not um, not one of mine. Is that I think there's a lot on social media at the moment about how Brexit hasn't been, you know, hasn't been what it was cracked up to be. I know you you are completely apolitical and don't have any political views, but um, indeed, uh, Joe Root does average 112 since we left the single market. So okay, you know, everyone cracks it out to be a bad thing, but you know, well, keep these good news stories coming, haven't you? That is true. So clearly, there's some some, but I mean, you never hear about that. You know, just don't do. So there you go. There's some bias out there. Mm. Yeah. So, so I think as we record, uh, and mm-hmm. a, a quote I found, uh, which made, which I, I, this is what I said in the previous pod about Scotland rugby. Uh, there's never up periods. Even our euphoric wins are followed by loss, and we are due to kick off in two hours against Wales, who are. <laughs> rubbish and beset by injury I mean we're going to lose aren't we <laughs> it's, it's what, what's your actual prediction for that mine is that uh, you will indeed lose I think we might scrape a win an yeah. underwhelming win I mean the most Scottish season would be to beat everyone and then our final game for the Grand Slam home to Italy lose that <laughs> yeah yeah that would so that, that that's not We'd be so paralysed by fear that <laughs> we'd because Italy so terrible as well. It, yeah. I mean, just it would it, it's written in the stars. But that would be I think Scotland rugby all over. Yeah. More more realistically, we won't be very good today. We're we're missing a few players as well. We might we hopefully will win, um, and then we'll get battered by France in our next game because they look really good. Okay. Well, we can pick that one up next time. Absolutely. Uh, right. Anything else? No, that's that's all from me. Okay. So that's, that's what's happening in the news. Right, so, uh, shall we move on? We should talk about the um, the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Now, did, did you... Uh, so this happened, obviously, last uh, last Sunday night, early hours in the morning for us. Did you watch any of it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> So it was a um, not not the most exciting game. Thirty-one uh, Bucks v Chiefs. So the uh, Buccaneers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with Tom Brady, as people might have seen, um, winning yet another Super Bowl. He's now, I believe, won as many, if not more, Super Bowls himself individually as any actual team has yeah. uh, in the NFL. Uh, they beat the favourites, who were the, the Chiefs, who have the current best player, Patrick Mahomes, as their quarterback. Uh, the Chiefs just didn't get going at all. The Buccaneers 
uh, defense just complete or defense i should say yeah um yeah completely um dominated from uh from beginning to end that the chiefs didn't even score a touchdown which is unheard of in the mahomes era and uh yeah so that was all um uh yeah not not the most exciting game but uh yeah really impressive performance from uh uh from the bucks um so you didn't watch it do you not you're not a fan so um i I've had sort of periods of my life where I've watched it. It it mm. it tends to be because for me it's very much a Sunday night thing. So when I was at university and just after when I left university, and it we we would watch it on a Sunday night because you didn't really go out on a Sunday, and and you'd stay up to the early hours watching it. Um, and you'd be, I think, and a few of my friends have started following it recently. I think it doesn't take a massive amount to get into it because mm. there's not many games and they've got the quite good thing on Sky at the moment where you can watch basically all the games at once and it does lend Red itself quite quite phenomenal. well to that format and I've never watched that until recently and I, I really like that but I just at the time it was like so it was so far into the season I wasn't that motivated to get mm. into it again um, I think the rules do need a bit of um, investment up front to understand what's going on but it's not actually mm. that complicated um, yeah. Once you've got it, and 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 actually the wider rules, I think it's one of the better run sports in terms of giving the worst teams the best players. I know that is a, a common American thing, but it works. The best players out of college seem to be able to just go straight away into the top teams and be amazing, and that does really help. Mm. Whereas in baseball, if you go from college and you're like you'll have to pay minor leagues for like five years, yeah, yeah. you'll get near the proper league. So. Um, yeah, I have followed it at times, but I don't, um, I don't that actively right now. Um, mm. One of the things I um, did want to touch on. So I, I'm not used to watching sport. So time differences of sport. I'm much more used to now getting up early to watch sport. So cricket mm-hmm. or rugby from abroad than stay up late for it. Okay. Yeah. And I wondered if you'd had any sort of experiences of what your preference is. Oh, out of either staying up late or waking up early to watch sport. Yeah. So, uh, okay. The one that always springs to my mind would be the 2003 Rugby World Cup final. Um, yeah. I remember getting up to watch that when England won it, but uh, not really making the most of the day. But it was when I lived in Nottingham and going out just into town in the afternoon and it was like the last days of Rome and everyone was battered at about four in the afternoon <laughs> yeah um, and and so and then when England were in the World Cup final in 2019 I was probably one of those persons because <laughs> we, we <laughs> yeah. met early to watch the game that was in Japan and stayed out for most of the day for a Christmas do and just by like mm. nine o'clock, it was time to go home. Really, um, so yeah, I think the get the getting up early is usually a a big event. So it and it might yeah. So I similar to to you with that that last World Cup uh, final was up early and in the bar in London Bridge watching that. I remember being in the pub for the two thousand three final, drinking champagne at the end of the match, which is probably not even midday by no. the time it was one. Um, about ten o'clock. Yeah, there you go, exactly. Um, so those are more big. I mean, I think I prefer, I'm thinking, um, yeah, probably staying up 
staying up late. And I seem to remember, or a bit of both, actually. One of my favourite, was it 2010, 11 Ashes? The Alistair Cook Ashes? Uh, yeah, 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 I do. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten that. So that was a bit of both. So I would, I would stay up, and what, and I seem to remember the first, the first was it even over of the first match of that? We were sort of texting each other. And Andrew Strauss slapped one to point first over. (laughs) Oh god, here we go. Here we go again. Yeah. Mm. Um, But I remember I I would stay up and watch the first session, and then wake up for the final hour of the. uh, at least the final hour, and I was working. You know, I was going into work yeah, every yeah, day yeah, yeah. Uh, with virtually no sleep. Um, to the point where my boss said, "Welcome back after the series." <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, but so that 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 was ideal because I felt like I'd watched the whole, pretty much the whole test. But you would always wake up and just really tentatively put the, you yeah. know, turn it on and think, "How bleak is this going to be?" And for once. It was brilliant almost throughout. It was much better than you could ever. What Cook still batting? Yeah, <laughs> there yeah. Was a lot of that during that series. So there um, were there yeah. was two matches I remember in that because there was one where the set. I think it was the second test. We absolutely smashed them, but um, they lost. So one of their they they batted first, and one of their openers was out without facing a ball, got run out, and then Ponting was out straight Amazing. away as well, and they lost something like three in the first hour on this pitch which was like a 500 500 run pitch mm. and then there was the famous boxing day which was so you're staying up on Christmas night mm. and I watched it so my, my wife had come over to my parents and I was watching it in bed and it got to sort of half past midnight or one o'clock or something and Australia were like 45 for naught or something like that or 44 one and so I turned it off and uh, they got bowled out for about 130 and we were 150 for naught at the end of the day and it's like the best day of cricket ever <laughs> and I just watched yeah. the, the Australian bit um, but yeah I had forgotten that actually I, uh, yeah that's staying up that's staying up there yeah. but um, yeah but I've, I've been on a stag too where we've got up early to watch the Lions mm. um, and we, we got up and went full kit <laughs> They rubbish shorts walking through the centre of Cardiff. It's like it's fine in Cardiff. Everyone was doing it. So, <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> um, and then yeah, so having three Guinnesses with breakfast, watching the rugby, and then having to go trampolining. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Stanley Fair. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I haven't, I haven't been that in touch with with the mm. NFL. But there's always a few things I'd sort of forgotten about that I like, and. Um, mm. I was like a big fan of the referee talking to the crowd about what the decisions yeah. were. Like that seemed like it's so far ahead of its time. Yeah, um, it's still a, a problem that exists in other sports that you don't really have that. Did, did you see one? Um, no, you probably wouldn't have because you, you're not following it that as closely as I am these days. But um, there was one from about six weeks ago where the ref spoke for over a minute. Because there'd been so many fouls, <laughs> <laughs> it was basically uh, like both sides emptying out and having a massive scrap on on the field. Yeah. So I think there were at least two players ejected. Uh, there were fouls that actually led to the fight. Um, <laughs> then there were other things. So he's just basically without. It's unbelievable how good, how impressive this is. He's basically just reeling off this <laughs> all of the stuff and then what the penalties therefore are. Right. <laughs> the bonds are offset and then who's been ejected. 
talking for over a minute, it's very impressive. It's worth <laughs> well worth digging out. I think what American sport is far better at than than British mm. sport is is they think about what the entertainment factor is. Um, yeah. So VAR would never happen in America because they'd be like, well, the people. What about the people on watching on TV and watching? Um, uh, in the in the ground, you know, we can't have them not knowing what's going on. And I think with with rugby now, you have the video refs are mic'd up, so you hear all the decision making if you're um, at home, but you don't if you're in the ground. So a lot of the time, you're just like, well, what, what the hell was the, the thought making process there? And, and I think yeah. that is, and even the draft system really giving the worst teams the best players that is to keep it even because people watch yeah more unpredictable sport. There are there are a couple of Vari Vari things in American football though. So pass interference now is checked by a video ref, um, and do, but you do see it. You see it in the stadium. You see what they're looking at in the stadium. Okay. Um, they and, then tell you what the, the outcome is. Yeah, exactly. They, yeah, they, they, yeah. But you really, see it, and they tell yeah. you it's much more transparent. Yeah. Uh, but see, people are still furious about it. There was a massive uh, mis- mistake that happened in a. A championship game a couple of years ago that led to the pass interference one coming in as a, a thing that they would uh, check okay. uh, about three years ago the New Orleans Saints who always contrived to lose in, in uh, hilarious or, or un, unjust ways were the victims of that so no one really you know cared that much about them because <laughs> they'd have found a way anyway yeah, yeah. yeah exactly so yeah there are a couple of things but they definitely you're right they handle it a lot better and they're much more transparent about it and they always have experts unlike Peter Walton who actually tell you um, <laughs> stuff that's worth uh, talking worth about? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, one other thing on the Super Bowl, right? So, and right, so you're probably in a good position here now. Obviously, you're a sports fan, so you you, you know who uh, Tom Brady is. But there was a lot of stuff afterwards about is he the greatest sports person in the world, and is he the most, and where does he rank in terms of the most famous sports people in the world? Uh, and my thing is, if you're into sport, you'll know, you'll probably know who Tom Brady is, even if you don't really follow American football. But if you asked the average person on the street, they wouldn't know. And to name any American football players, they probably wouldn't be able to name any. Even now, even in the week after he's just won his sixth Super Bowl, someone at work said, oh, Tom Hardy did well the other day when I was talking to him about it, which sort of sums it up. Uh, but what do you think? What do you think? Um, I mean, he's not. He might be the most current... Who's the most... No, there's, there's more... So it's not... The most famous sports people is not purely about sport, is it? Like exactly, they transcend it. How many you you can't buy Nike Air Tom Brady's? Mm. So it's it's just, um, I mean, my the rule of thumb is: Would my wife know who Tom Brady is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say there's a thirty to forty percent chance she might. He has been in mm. a Family Guy episode, so that does boost him up slightly. Hosted Saturday Night Live. Well, but that was about ten years ago. Maybe yeah. even more than that, actually. But <laughs> you know, Michael Jordan, yeah. Woods. You know, these people are at like all pervading. Mm-hmm. Who do, who do you think is the most famous sports person in the world now? Someone who you mention that person's name, and regardless of age, what country they're in, etc., they would they would know who that person is. I've got one in mind. So they have. 
they have to be actively playing sport now. Yeah, active. Yeah. Oh, who's the one you're thinking of who's not active? Um, no, I was running through, like, yeah, say so Usain Bolt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of yeah. non-active, I think he'd be number one. Um, Tiger Woods. Interesting, because on some of those lists where they were talking about Tom Brady, lots of people saying, I don't really know who Tiger Woods is. Younger people, because mm. um, they're yeah, not okay. into golf, and he's sort of not the top man anymore. So yeah, I think Serena okay. Williams. Really? I think everybody knows who Serena Williams is, even if you've never watched her play tennis. I I don't know about that. Really? I, I disagree. No? Yeah. I I think so. I take your point about Tiger Woods mm. because he's at the end of his career and some of his yeah. like branding things and the fact like his computer games would have been a massive part of that. Mm. That like everyone knew Tiger Woods was because it's like it's like everyone who knew who Tony Hawk was. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you what Tony Hawk looks yeah, like. Yeah. But I know he's a skateboarder. Mm-hmm. Um. <sighs> Who wouldn't know who Serena Williams is? People don't like tennis. I don't think. She, yeah, but they still I know who she think, is. I don't think she's got as big a reach outside of tennis as really? as those people do. No. Um, mm. We might have to do a scientific poll on this and come back next time. Yeah, and, uh, we might. Yeah. Mm. I mean, obviously, there's a couple of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is 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 huge uh, and yeah, Messi. Uh, and yeah. global and Messi. I think Ronaldo above Messi just because of his off field profile's a bit higher um but uh, yeah I, i'm convinced tennis it, tennis is a tennis and sport. golf are, yeah but i don't think they are truly global i think they're they're not the biggest sport in any country mm. so they are global in that respect whereas football is the biggest sport in mm. a number of countries where it's followed and then a minority sport in almost all the others so I just don't think it's got the same coverage. Having said that, mm. I'm you know I might not have my finger on the pulse as much as I think because <laughs> I just I watched. Think... Um, mm. We don't watch very much TV on TV. It's almost all streaming of some kind. Um, mm. So we don't one um, knock on effect of that is we don't really see many adverts. But there's an Apple advert at the moment with like ludicrously famous people in using their Apple Macs, and Serena Williams is in mm. that. And I thought, huh, not what I would have necessarily expected. No, <laughs> possibly. Uh-huh. So, um, I mean, who who else? I pro- she probably is more famous than Tom Brady, but oh, definitely. I, would, I wouldn't have said absolutely definitely. I wouldn't like put my house okay. on that. We'll come back to that. Because she'll definitely, everyone in America knows her, everyone in Europe knows her, everyone in Africa will know her, and everyone in South America will know her, in my opinion. But. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I suppose tennis is quite big in Europe, isn't it? Mm. I'm not sure about American football. But. Yeah, no. It depends how you write. Obviously, there's a lot of people in America. But. Mm. um, Yeah, I. Okay, we'll do a scientific poll. Among about twelve people, and we'll come back. <laughs> we'll come back that yeah, it's interesting. Right. Um, yeah. I think who else is because you have got to have that. That it really depends on the sport, and that's the other thing yeah. with Usain Bolt was that you know everyone's mm. a bit into athletics a little bit. They sort of so, yeah. Um, and there's no other real athletes at the moment who are 
either dominant or marketable um, yeah. in the same Federer, Federer was popping up on that on, on some of the lists I saw but below Serena Williams yeah um, and again I think that's a bit generational too because he's she's still right at the top in terms of getting to finals as, and he's still yeah as much it marketable in a different way as well mm. um, yeah I think so yeah I do think that it's a you pull in it's about people who can pull in maybe people into a sport where they wouldn't maybe necessarily be interested and Lewis Hamilton certainly did that within mm. F1 for example got a lot of black people watching it because of him yeah. um, Serena Williams has a, and Venus had a similar effect when they started out in tennis and they've been doing it for 20 years 20 years more than 20 years 25 years that's that's quite a lot of generationally a lot of people know about them so yeah mm. Yeah. Okay. So the, the other person thinking about it a little bit more, yeah, uh, would probably be LeBron James. Yeah, but again, American sport. So most people in this country, if you ask them, wouldn't have heard of him because they've basketball's up and coming in quite a lot of places. So it's it's played in South America. It's played in Europe a lot, mm-hmm. um, and he's probably not brought loads of new people to it in the way Jordan mm. probably would have done. But yeah. Um, Certainly around, I know in the Caribbean, I think one of the reasons that was given for the um, for the West Indies not being very good in the sort of 2000s was that a lot of the youngsters were playing basketball rather than or yes. soccer rather than cricket. So, yeah, true. I think there's a bit of an age cap on someone like LeBron James, whereas there's a sport like tennis, some older people might know certain people globally. Yeah. I, so, I, yeah. I think as well with him that they, there's been other star um, basketball players at the same time to yeah. appeal. So the sport has appealing characters in it. So like Kobe mm. Bryant and Steph Curry that he's overlapped with. Um, yeah. Whereas with Serena, I mean, I'd struggle to tell you four players probably in the Australian Open. Like when they said mm-hmm. the last year's winner got knocked out, I, I'd not really heard of her. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's not particularly marketable at the moment, um, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Right, so that's, good the, that's the Super Bowl yeah. covered. <laughs> <laughs> Briefly, yeah. Everything's covered there. Yeah. Uh, right, yes. Anything else you wanted to. What did you want to talk through? Uh, so, I was going to do a bit of England India coverage. So, mm. um, there's been some things I've liked about this series so far so as we record uh, we're one day into the second test Uh, so England dominating the first test winning with a near perfect sort of test match performance which is pretty un-English I would say because the first tests England play are normally awful at home or away but normally worse away Um, and India just coming off the back of quite a big surprise victory in Australia but also with uh, sort of a depleted team um, Justin Langer made the point that depleting the Indian team is has a limited effect because there's a billion people who <laughs> love cricket so if you get mm-hmm. in the team you're going to be quite good um, but I did watch a little bit this morning <laughs> and India have prepared a pitch, have you seen any of it today? Only a little bit, yeah. So yeah. it's already spinning miles and breaking up, and they won the toss and batted first. So I don't really see a, an eventuality that England can win this test, yeah. uh, unfortunately. Um, 
that that's what you do as a home team, isn't it? You prefer a pitch. Mm-hmm. It's good. And I think the next test is a pink ball day night one, so um, better timings for watching. Um, yeah. But also, hopefully, will uh, suit England's seam attack a bit. Um, but India's seam attack are also very good, so uh, could could go either way. That. Um, so there's a couple of things I also liked. Um, it's on Channel Four. Uh, which yeah. is a nice sort of echo back to 2005 and the years leading back to that. Um, They've kept the theme tune, even. That's exactly what I was going to say. Lou Baker, <laughs> bring it back. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but it is, it's a little bit annoying how um, India control their coverage so much. So actually the coverage has been pretty pants because... You can't watch any highlights on YouTube or anything because they won't let you put it on YouTube. So Jimmy's incredible over where he reverse swung the ball, and it's like one of the greatest. Hits. You can't find it on YouTube. That explains why I couldn't find it. So, <laughs> I'm not going yeah, to find they, it anywhere. So the Indian board won't let. They won't like sign agreements for their foreign coverage. You have to do it almost series by series. So that's why it's on Channel Four because you can buy them individually, and that was arranged less than a week before it started so um, yeah my wife's not very happy Sunday brunch is on E4 livid <laughs> <laughs> so um, but yeah but it's it's sort of given I'm sort of quite hopeful as an England fan we've kind of got two two decent sides and, and they've they've sort of sensibly realised that being in a Covid bubble for prolonged amounts of time is not very good for you and so they've given players a lot of a lot of players a rest. So Jimmy Anderson's mm. not playing this test. Joss Butler's not playing this test. Um, so what it should hopefully do is grow England's strength in depth. Um, yeah. Without which I thought they would always do, but that usually means they'll lose the series four nil if they do that. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, they won't. Um, but yeah, we we're on the wrong end of some pretty iffy. Uh, referrals today as well so I saw one I saw one thing today where there was a it sort of came off the glove but they had they didn't look at Snicko or yeah so yeah they checked the bat pad Mm. didn't check the glove and Mm. I only saw it back on the highlights and then they asked the umpire so Root asked the umpire and said he he definitely checked that and he went yeah and it's like it's obviously out (laughs) it's definitely out (laughs) Um, so uh, and then there was a stumping as well, which was. Um, <laughs> it goes back to the offside thing. You can't really sit on the fence because it's a line decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they'd sort of erred on the side of caution. Problem is, at the moment, because of COVID bubbles, all the umpires are Indian. So it's easy for people to say, well, he's just erred on the side of caution because he's allowed to stay in. Both of those decisions, the guy got out almost immediately afterwards, so it hasn't really been a problem. Didn't cost runs. No. Okay. So, so yeah, it's it's, it's kind of it's good mm. to have things on terrestrial. I think the even if it's just the odd thing, because when the World Cup was on, the, the World Cup final was on, I think it did did really help. It's good for the game. I I remember um, uh, going back. We obviously watched that final together. That uh, one day World Cup final. Going back home, and there were people playing cricket in some car park on the yeah. way home and I've, I hadn't seen that last time I saw people playing cricket outside I couldn't you know it just didn't like in the street 
that was directly inspired by that. Everyone saw it. Everyone got into it. It's 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 been a bit of a loss for cricket. And we're talking about famous sports people. Um, cricket cricketers used to be household names in this in in this country when I was growing up. I, I don't think most most people who aren't sports fans will be able to name many now. Even Joe Root. You'd you'd name the ones from when it was on TV. So. You know, if, yeah. if if you say to people you know, you name a cricketer, they'd say Ian Botham or David Gower. Yeah. You know, exactly, they would have known all of those ones, those people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, it is. It has pumped loads more money into the game, in the mm. English game. So, mm-hmm. you know. Well, yeah. As a club cricketer, you and so you know Sky Sports is really expensive to put in pubs. Mm. Um, they make it really cheap to have it in cricket clubs. So. Um, more cricket clubs can get more money over the bar because they've got Sky Sports for very, for very reasonable rate, and um, it means there's a lot more money in the game. Pitches are better, etc., etc. So you could argue, I don't know if this is true or not, that the better players have access to better facilities as a result of mm. that. But makes sense. If there's only forty percent of the number who would have otherwise yeah. played, maybe we're not as strong as we could have been and I certainly think you know the access into kind of schools and, and lower levels really mm. you know you play cricket because you play cricket at school so yeah and it's only sort, sort of most state schools probably don't play it so mm. um, we had a um, cricket in my school in the first year only I mean I'm going back to the 80s where they cut they cut um, <laughs> sports funding massively anyway yeah um, but uh yeah, but anyway, things things looking good at the top at the top end, as you say, at the moment. And yeah, and Root, whether fueled by Brexit or not. Um, yeah, Bre- <laughs> Brexit's so Joe Root. Really well. Yeah, and <laughs> the other pleasing thing was last week at the same time as the Saturday morning, which started the greatest day of sport ever. Um, was that the Aussie T20 final, the Big Bash, was on, and two of the stars of the final were Liam Livingston, who is in England player in T20 format and James Vince who generally underwhelms playing for England but he's like yep. scored some of the best looking 30s you'll ever see <laughs> yeah. got uh, got 95 in the final as well so T20 which is definitely the way of kind of fostering more interest in the game in kids England mm. are going to be really good and when the 100 starts I think there is a if it ever starts which is a different yeah. bit completely but um there is a commitment, I think, to put at least some of that on to free-to-air TV. So, mm-hmm. so that's good. that's all all good stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So we move on to uh, to gold, silver, bronze. Dean Macy. I think week. we should. So yeah, um, yeah. So the theme this week. So this was was kind of uh, another another th- <laughs> theme. I realised. I've got a theory this week, like I had a theory last week. So my theory about sporting offspring last week. Mm. I've got a different theory about American kits this week. Um, okay. It was sort of off the back of the NFL that, that I'd suggest yeah. we talk about kits. So um, mm. so I follow quite a lot of American sport. My theory about American sports kits is that they fall into one of two categories. They're okay. great historic great kits and therefore they never change like a little bit of trim here or there but they never really change yeah they're the sort of expansion kits that have come in as teams have been added 
and mm-hmm. they are generally awful and have to change branding almost because they always reflect the time that they were brought in. <laughs> yep. And so there's some pretty terrible ones knocking around across American sports. Um, but uh, the first one I was... Is it all right if I go first? The, the go for it, of, yeah. So I, I always think that um, evil evil empires and evil teams need a strong brand so the okay. stormtroopers in star wars always look really good don't they like they look really yep. smart. yeah absolutely uh the new york yankees more money than everyone else take everyone's best players pinstripe outfits though they look sharp yeah and yeah. you know mm-hmm. uh i think this is still the case you've got to be clean shaven to play for the yankees really yeah so you can't have like long hair and so um that is an incredible incredible uh, edict um but i like that look you know because they are the kind of you know the go-to and they are you talked about the most famous um yeah most famous people i mean the famous team they are mm. you see people on the tube yeah. wearing yankees caps who have never watched a game yeah. of baseball in their lives Absolutely. And so that that pinstripe. I also quite like the fact they don't have names on their shirts because well we're, we're so famous. Why why should why do we need to? Mm. Like they're gonna know who number mm-hmm. two is. So didn't yeah. the um in um in popular culture, um have you have you seen the film um the Warriors, eighties <laughs> cult film where the 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 Warriors are trying to get back to uh back home having been set up as the ones who've killed this big gang leader and all the gangs as they try and make it back to Coney Island are trying to stop them. And there's a baseball gang who I think are wearing New York Yankees outfits. Have you seen that? I haven't seen the Warriors. I know about it and I've sort of seen bit, maybe a bit of it. Um, okay. But I haven't. I haven't. Um, well, you have to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I... Um, uh, I've just checked this on the incredibly reliable source um, <laughs> yeah. of Wikipedia, uh, and it does suggest this is still the case. So it definitely was the case, brought in by the owner in 1973, who, um, and has led to speculation where uh, if a player from another team cuts their hair, there's mm. speculation that they're going to sign for the Yankees. Um, <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, some players, such as David Price, who's a pitcher who's very good, but also mm. for the Red Sox, who might might say this anyway, have openly stated they'd never join the Yankees as long as this policy was in place. So yeah, it's um, I, I love that. Yeah, oh, I yeah. think that's my favourite thing I've learned, uh, um, not just today but this week. <laughs> have you seen the the Simpsons episode, the um, the softball one? No, I don't think so. So, oh, what were he where he's coaching softball or? No, it's or where um, the nuclear power plant want to beat like Shelbyville. So, um, okay, Mr. Burns employs all these stars from baseball, um, but and basically they all so they all come in, take everyone's places in the team, including Homer, and then <laughs> every single player has a mishap, which means they can't play except one who is the one in Homer's place. So Homer... <laughs> right. But one of the players, his mishap is he gets um, he gets sacked because his sideburns are too long. And he's shaved like a massive band around his head, so he's got no sideburns at all. And Mr. Burns is like, I told you to shut the side. And that's a, that is a Yankees-like 
that right? kind of I see. The piss out of the Yankees. So, um, yeah, that that's a one of one of my sort of favourite kits. <laughs> so, what what have you got? Um, so th- this made th- this subject made me remember that when I was at um, at school, one of my GCSEs was um, technical drawing was it called i think something like so that. mainstream you can't even remember the tape of the, well, no, the subject <laughs> exactly i have no idea why i chose obviously i failed massively <laughs> uh, I, I might have got a g or something in it but um the um but i did that but the peak i don't know why i did i can't draw or or uh, uh, you know, and I was well, obviously, if you've got a G, football. I'd say you can't draw. <laughs> well, yeah, but but I did this American football. So this was was when I first got into American football, sort of late eighties, um, and I did a, my a project on American football. So we had to pick a subject and do various types of like technical sort of drawings around them. So I thought this is brilliant because I can do kits, I can do the helmets, I can do the pitch, and you can just write a bit of blurb. Um, absolutely nailed it it was like the peak of my artistic um career and i remember doing thinking right which helmet um is going to be the easiest one to do or the the one that's got the most cleanest lines and what have you so i think i did the rams um who may have been st louis rams then i'm not sure but um yeah the rams helmet yeah it's a good learn that helmet yeah yeah, and uh, I vividly remember that, and just absolutely nailing it. And so, whenever I see the Rams, I sort of remember, I remember that uh, that kit. But but generally, I don't. I American football kits for me, don't know, just not that exciting. I support the Browns, who have just the most functional. They don't even have like an emblem. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just uh, you know their their badge is basically a helmet. <laughs> with, with orange and a bit of brown on it, um, yeah. So I struggle with that with with American uh, football kits. But um, but I a kit a football kit an England soccer kit that I um, that's not Arsenal cause my my team who I love Arsenal's kit, but a non Arsenal kit that always uh, I always sort of liked and enjoyed. Is West Brom's kit a classic kit, which is quite the thick black lines from the late 70s, early 80s, which they have a couple of times since then gone back to most recently, about 10 years ago when they didn't get didn't have a sponsor, yeah. and 12 years ago, and it was that kit, and it just looked so good. I remember us being in a bar, me, me and you, and a few others were, were, when we worked together, having played football. Do you remember? Were you at the, you were at the match where we played on some tiny pitch that we thought was full size, <laughs> and it ended up being like a six-a-side pitch. And we I ended up getting in goal for the opposition because they their goalie was so bad. We were about five nil up in about ten minutes, and it was just like this there is you great. Go. So I went in goal for exactly. Them. So and I remember going for a drink afterwards, and it, and it came. Uh, yeah, I don't know how we got onto this, but I remember saying. There's times when I wish I was a West Brom fan so I could <laughs> buy their kit, and you said something like, "You don't have to talk some rubbish about football," which at the time I didn't realise was was a compliment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. Um, I love that. I just love that kit, and I remember Cyril Regis and Laurie Cunningham. Yeah, I was going to say black players playing, and yeah, they just looked amazing. They were dominant footballers. Cyril Regis, yeah. that was 
I was going to ask is that is is that Cyril Regis? That's who I'm picturing in it. Yes. Yeah. Exactly that. And it just I don't know. There's just something about that kit, and it'd be weird if you're not a fan of West Brom to buy it, <laughs> and wear and and certainly to wear it in public. But I just I just really liked uh, liked it, and every time I see them with a version of that that looks like that, particularly in that when they didn't have that sponsor, I just thought, oh, yeah, that's a great a great kit. Yeah, I mm. I. It's that sort of vintage look, isn't it? The timeless. Yeah. And and that's where yeah. football kits are a bit different, is that because you get one every year, mm. and like it doesn't really matter if you have a crap one. But I I remember I think it was the beginning of last season that Arsenal had two really good kits, like an Ars- it yeah. was Adidas. So your home one was quite traditional; it looked like the '89 kit. Yep. And yep. the second kit was like a bit like the the sort of. Um, yeah, the chevrons. Yeah, chevrons. That's the word I was after. Or yeah. is that the people who call it the puke kit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, or the Wrexham kit. Mm-mm, well, moving on. <laughs> but um, well, sort of linked to that one of my favourites. So it's, it's sort of two mm-hmm. linked ones, but two two examples of the same kit, basically by the same manufacturer, but just kind of they pe- copied and pasted it. But right. so Villa had it in eighty seven, eighty eight. So it's Hummel, and it's it's mm. like striped, but it's in halves as well. But where yeah, it's I really famous it. was it was the '86 Denmark kit for the the World mm. Cup in, in uh, Mexico, and that Denmark team were like who'd come come from nowhere with the Laudrups and uh, a couple of other famous players whose names escape me now. But um, yeah, and that kit you cannot get it for love nor money. If it comes on eBay, really? it's like eighty five quid. It's mm. ridiculous. Um, wow! And that I, I always like Hummel because they had they had the chevron like, and they still do like the their mm. Everton they do now, and it's it's chevrons down the arms, and you automatically know it's them. And I think, yeah. I mean, for such a small a like, a Danish company to still be mm. doing that, and they've just not grown at all. They don't do anything else apart from the odd football kit. But Villa have had <laughs> Hummel kits quite a lot in yeah. the years. Um, and when I first that's a brilliant shout. I'd I'm say, very distinctive. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do like that. Um, I've got. Um, so yeah, I. Sorry, your your turn. Oh, um, I've got another football one, which my opinion on it has shifted slightly. Which is the classic England uh, shirt. I always picture Kevin Keegan in this one. Eighty-two World. Yeah, Cup. yeah, yeah. Admiral. <laughs> I don't know what, what Admiral exactly with the the, the red and yeah. That, that brings in all sort of the red, white, and blue, uh, which I used to love. And then um, a few years ago, you started seeing people sort of wearing them occasionally. I think, where did you get get that from? I remember being at an airport, went to, uh, I think it might have been the Japan World Cup, which I went to, and someone was wearing one. Where did you get that? And he said eBay. So then uh, managed to get one, uh, one of them, the red one. Yeah. And my mate Stu did as well. He got the white one, and we were in the World Cup, went to the World Cup in Brazil. And proudly wore this for each of England's games, and we lost. Uh, I think the first two games in them didn't win a game in that tournament. No. I remember. Uh, have worn them twice since. One of them was England Iceland in, in that <laughs> match. Uh, so yeah, love the kit, but will never wear it again. Um, whilst watching, in- oh great. Uh, so, you're, you're, and as I say that, you're peeling off your. Uh, your hoodie to reveal a Scotland kit. So this is my lucky rugby, is Scotland rugby kit. Yeah. So mm. uh, 
I so this is the 2015 World Cup kit, which we nearly got to the semi-finals, got to the quarter-finals, which was you mm. know quite an achievement because we were it we were, it was the very end of our terrible period, um, and then um, but I've worn it for a lot, watching a lot of our wins over the previous years, and then I got yeah. I really like the World Cup kits because they don't have sponsors on them. So uh, you just get the World Cup badge, and the World Cup badges are, com- are normally a lot more tasteful than the sponsors. Um, so I got the 2019 kit as well, um, and it basically it's completely unlucky. We got knocked out of the World Cup in the groups. We got beaten by Japan, um, mm. and every time I wear it, we lose. So I've got the <laughs> one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I it's quite a strong opinion in Scotland rugby fans that um, we should always have white shorts and right. both times we've been knocked out in the World Cup group stages we've had navy shorts so mm. it, every time a new kit comes out they're like just white shorts I don't care what else it is but it's got <laughs> and actually one of the reasons I was hopeful about our seat, our prospects this season were that we've got a really good traditional sh- shirt with white collar and white shorts that looks a business. Okay, so. I set you up for a win. Yeah, Can I ask definitely. you a question about lucky tops, which I've never really had? Yeah. So, do you have to then pick your matches to wear it? Because if you wear it all the time, aren't you just sort of you're going to lose some games? You know. Yeah. We... Of... So, how do you man- manage that situation? Selective memory is how I tend to manage it. Um, so Excellent. I definitely good. wore this last time we played the All Blacks and we lost, but mm. we were really good in that game. So okay, sort of counts as a win. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I've won, I've won this when we've lost and peeled yeah. it off and thrown in the corner. But, but selective memory is a good enough answer. Yeah, it can be <laughs> <a bit of laughs> that. okay. <laughs> definitely. Well, yeah. I I mean I've got a couple. So the sort of American favorite ones so because we'll when we we're talking about the nfl so Cleveland mm. browns who ceased to exist briefly as i'm sure you know yeah. moved to baltimore. yeah baltimore ravens to, to so i really like baltimore ravens that purple and black color scheme that makes them look like the bad guys in dodgeball so I that's, <laughs> yes that's quite a good look and they've not really had to change that and i think that looks good that's true and yeah. they're quite a physical team which goes with that sort of that, that sort of thing always yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then my my final one, um, which, so, um, I'm gonna have to share my screen for this because you definitely won't know it. But um, so this okay. is an, uh, a nice, similar to Baltimore, and and we were talking about expansion teams. So I think uh, so it's a nice hockey team based in Winnipeg, which is like the coldest city, big city in Canada. <laughs> And um, but it's not massive, so they, I think they probably weren't getting enough people in. They were losing money, and they got moved to another American city, which happens quite a lot in American sport. Um, and it uh, they moved them to this hotbed of ice hockey, Phoenix, which is in Arizona in the desert, uh, in about the mid nineties. So I said expansion branding is normally crap. Yeah. So I think you've either got to be, you've either got to really go or, or embrace how crap it is and really reflect the time and just go completely over the top. So I think it's the most '90s proper rebranding you can possibly do. And what okay. they've done is they've gone away from this and changed it to something a bit more cool. But this has come back now, uh, and this is their kit. 
Can you see that? What? <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? So it's a sort of a kind of Native American take on a sort of coyote playing ice hockey. Yeah, um, a multicoloured coyote with a sort of desert trim. Isn't yeah. it just ludicrous? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I think this is a sort of would probably be my nomination for for Dean, the Dean Macy slot. They also quite they they um they flick their name between Phoenix and Arizona quite a lot, as if that mm. makes a difference. It's like <laughs> well, we're getting rubbish crowds. We need to change the name of of where we're from. Yeah, this will like, do is it. it. Is it not because you're playing ice hockey in the desert? Maybe. So, yeah, this, that is extraordinary. So that I is, think that, that is um, that is one that I just. I mean, it's so bad it might be good. <laughs> That makes was it Campo that Mexican keep <laughs> Campos 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 yeah, yeah he designed, designed his, own, his kit. own kit makes <laughs> his kit look actually. like yeah a, yeah <laughs> like some sort of like perfect Savile Row designed uh, wow um, so I've right I've got I've got a wild a wild a couple of wild cards okay because they're not individual kits which is why they become wild cards okay so two two inter right. 90s Italian football club shirts. Yeah. More generally. Yeah. So if you think, I think some of the most classic shirts in a classic era of football in that uh, in that country yeah. were those those shirts from the 90s. So if you think, and the best way to think about it is if you think about some of the players that wore them. So Batistuta, Nintendo, Fiorentina. Sure. The, the, <laughs> I remember them, Nintendo or Seven Up. They had a Seven Up shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Batistuta in it. Yeah, classic. Yeah, go. that's a good one. Yeah, classic. Attila Lombardo or Platt in a Sampdoria shirt. Sampdoria shirt is still great. Like I saw a Sampdoria game yeah. the other day, and they're still the same kit. That is, yeah, that mm-hmm. is one of my favourites. Actually, I wish I thought of that. And just how yeah. Van Basten looked in a in a Milan shirt yeah. in that era. Um, or Ronaldo in an Inter shirt. Um, they've they've played with those Milan shirts to their detriment like the more classic they look the better they look but I know they've got to try some of it yeah they do but I think that early 90s period that that period when when, uh, um, Football Italia started on on Channel 4 and it just they had the best players in the world uh, and the kits were absolutely just generally Super Palmer. Palmer, wow. I was going, yeah. Off the tip of my tongue, he took Palmer. Yeah. 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 Um, I think I think that deserves a bit, bit of a um, yeah consideration. That is very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And similarly, on a sim- very similar vein, nineteen seventies international football shirts. So right at the beginning of the decade, you get we go in from black and white to color, and you get Brazil nineteen seventy. Hmm. Um, one of the greatest teams ever, looking absolutely amazing in that that sort of, that that very bright um, colour and seeing all those great players of Pele and Tostao and all Revelino and all of those those sort of people wearing those those kits. I asked, I asked my dad about what what was your, what would be your favourite when I knew we were going to be talking about this favourite kit. I said I know what it is. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be Brazil something. And he said, yeah, it was just amazing that mm. that that for everybody watching it was incredible. And then he he pulled out another one out of the bag. A Peru kit of that era, <laughs> white with the red sash. Yeah, Cabias, great player who uh, who played in that era. So it. before my time, but the Peru one has come up in mm. chats with mates in lockdown about greatest kits. 
because there's also yeah. uh, River Plate have got a red sash kit as mm. well, which and, and their kits always look good because they don't really mess with it very much. Yeah, and uh, pa- Crystal Palace in the late summer he's had a sash kit. I think. Yeah, not so much. Yeah. I mean, Salans have got one. <laughs> Salans have got one now, so not, it's not yeah. the same on Danny okay. Ings as it is on. <laughs> no, true, but if you think in the seventies of the Dutch team that could, that could have won two World Cups, they got to two finals. That is just such a classic. Yeah. Fit, even the fit, everything about that is just completely amazing. You watch those 70s sides and it just feels like one of the, in terms of international kits, by far the best era. I think it does, it feels like we're basically in completely unanimous agreement that the most classic looking kits are the best across rugby, football, yes. baseball and everything. Um, mm-hmm. and I think if it takes the Phoenix Coyotes to prove that, then there's <laughs> one other one that sprung up to my mind. And there is always like an inherent link to the players that wore them and the football they played and how that how yes. was. And um, was in about mid the mid nineties, Leeds, who I don't have much sympathy for at the moment, as, mm. which comes up has come up in both podcasts. They had this kit which was just completely white with uh, blue kind of um, you know sponsor and logo, but nothing else, and like a kind of thick collar. Mm-hmm. Uh, which didn't look great on all players, but it looked really good on Tony Yaboa. I knew you were going to say and that. And it was when he <laughs> was absolutely like just scoring thunder bastards every week. Yeah. And he made him look absolutely stacked and loads stronger it than did. everyone else, which he was, admittedly. Yeah. And he was in pretty good nick, which he wasn't always. And so, mm. yeah, that, that. I'm picturing him scoring one of those thunder bastards and then running. Yeah. With his hands in the air towards the camera, looking yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Thistle hotels <laughs> on his front. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good stuff. Right. Well, I think we can. Uh, we've got this pretty crowded field for the old goals of Dean Macy. But um, yeah, should we? Um, so, what do you think for for gold, silver, and bronze? Then I think. Um, I think. So you mentioned the Yankees. Who was your second one? You mentioned uh, Denmark. Denmark so I think that I think I think yeah Hummel and their yeah. their legacy in Denmark that has to go in. Yeah, I, I do like the Cyril Regis. Yeah, I'd be good. pleased with that, that getting in there. And then Serie A, I think you know it's a bit of a cop out naming a league, but for that reason we need mm. bronze maybe. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe we could put the Yankees in Dean Macy for their very hard line on haircuts and shaving I think, I think yeah that deserves to be rewarded good stuff alright <laughs> excellent uh, yeah an excellent uh, podium and fourth place on Monday morning in the Phoenix Coyotes back office they'll be like you'll never guess what happened you, ne- you nearly won an award for your shit design but you didn't <laughs> yeah maybe we shouldn't have sacked you <laughs> <laughs> right good stuff that was good excellent so That's it, Ben, for another edition. Indeed. Back in two weeks. See you then.